Father in heaven, we are grateful that we can come into your presence as a church family. And Father, it's a blessing from heaven that we are requesting. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through your word today. Thank you, Father, for this lifeline connection that you have given to us, the gift of prayer. May you bless us, Lord, as we study it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It was about four years ago, my family and I were down in the sunshine state of Florida, where everybody wants to be right now. And we were visiting some family down there. We have uh, my, my wife's side of the family, Midori's side. Her aunt and uncle are down there, and her grandma lives down there as well. And so every now and then we get away, and we go down and we visit the family down there. At the time, Midori's grandmother was 99 years old. She's 103 now. Uh, keep her in prayer. And I was, we finished our evening ritual of putting the kids to bed and they were asleep, and I was walking down the hallway past her grandmother's room, and there was a light on in there, and as I walked past, I couldn't resist it. I had to kind of sneak a peek inside her bedroom. The door was open, and as I looked into the bedroom, uh, this is what I saw there, a 99-year-old lady on her knees next to her bed praying, and my heart was touched. And I said, Lord, I want to have that type of experience with you. That even when I'm 100 years old, I'm still compelled to get down on my knees and pray. What a great gift God has given to us. And as I looked at her kneeling there, I thought, you know, there's probably a lot about prayer that she could teach me. But I didn't want to interrupt her prayer at the time. And, you know, the disciples one day, the Bible tells us, that they were listening to Jesus pray. As we read in our scripture reading this morning in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. And as they were listening to Jesus pray, they made this request, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, why do you ask somebody to teach you to do something? Because you're hoping that they can impart to you something that you do not have. Right? And so they come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, here's something interesting. At this particular time, the disciples were ordained ministers. And they're coming to Jesus with this request, Lord, teach us to pray. As they listen to Jesus, the Son of God, pouring out his heart to his heavenly Father, they all of a sudden realized that although they had the hands of ordination laid upon them, that they did not know how to pray. And so they came to Jesus with this rich request, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus goes on and he shares with them the Lord's Prayer that we are all so familiar with. You know, I don't know about you, maybe you can identify with this, but for many years, 
I, I kind of, whenever somebody started talking about prayer, whether it was in a sermon or at prayer meeting or, uh, you know, something I was listening to on, online, whenever prayer kind of came up, my mind would tend to shift into neutral because I thought, I got that one covered. You get down on your knees, you fold your hands, you close your eyes, and you make this, you know, have this conversation with God. And I thought I had it all covered. And I think that's probably how the disciples felt until they heard Jesus' prayer. I think we all need this time in our life where we get a little shook, shooken up in our prayer life, where we all of a sudden realize, you know, there's something here that I'm missing that I need to have a deeper experience in my prayer life. We need to have a similar experience to what the disciples had, where when they were in the presence of Jesus, they realized that they needed something that he had. And so this morning, I want to share with you some practical things that I have gleaned as I have studied and listened and learned at the feet of other men and women of great faith and prayer that I hope will help you. And chances are, as we come as a church family this morning and make this request that the disciples made, Lord, teach us to pray, chances are you've probably heard a few of these things, and if you have, great. If you haven't, please mark it down. We're going to get very practical in our time together this morning. Something that you can take home and put into practice right away. Taylor Bunch once wrote in his book, Prevailing Prayer, page 13, he said, Someone has said that prayer is the golden river at whose brink some die of thirst while others kneel and drink. I want to be the one who kneels and drink deeply at the fountain of prayer. Amen? Well, let's take a look at this together this morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at our first step in prayer. We're going to look at eight over the next two presentations, four today, four in the next one, as we ask this question, Lord, teach us to pray. Step number one, as we look at this concept of prayer in a practical light, is that we want to find a secret place to pray. What do we want to do? We need to have a what? Secret place to pray. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy what? Closet, and when thou hast what? Shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee how? Openly. So the Bible tells us that we need to have a private place, a secret place where we come and meet God. Now the word closet in this passage literally means a secret place, a place where it's just you and God. And that, is, that idea is given to us with the concept of a door being closed. Now, it doesn't mean secret where nobody can find you. It's secret in the sense that it's just you and him that are meeting together. So Scripture advises us to have a secret place to pray where it's just us and God. Now, this isn't too far removed from our understanding. Uh, many of us uh, we have places to do various things. Do we have a place to eat, yes or no? Do we have a place to sleep? Do we have a place to work? Right? We have places where we do things. Should we have a place to pray? 
Bible tells us that we should have a place to pray, a, a place to pray. And I know some of you may be thinking of Paul's advice in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8, where he says that we should pray everywhere. And indeed, that is true. We should pray everywhere. But I'm going to suggest to you this morning that before you can pray everywhere, you first have to pray somewhere. Are you all with me this morning? Right? So the Bible is telling us, have a secret place where you meet God. Now, maybe you already do this, and if you do, great. But if you haven't developed this idea of having a place to pray, you need to do this. Now, that doesn't mean you can only have one place. You can have many places. Jesus had multiple places where he would pray, but he had a place where he prayed. And so before you can have many, you first have to have one place where you are meeting the Lord in prayer each day. Listen to what we are told in Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, page 84. It says this, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. This is a comment on that passage. It says, have a place for secret prayer. Jesus had select places for communion with God, and so should we. We need often to retire to some spot, however humble, where we can be alone with God. Do you have a place to meet God every morning? It's a sweet thing when you have that place where you're going to meet him. And again, sometimes we have more than one spot. But we have a place. This is where I'm going to meet God in the morning. And it's almost like a sacred place when you wake up and you go there, or maybe it's there in your bedroom or wherever it is, that it's almost like a sacred place where you are meeting the creator of the world. Have a place to pray. That's the first thing you want to do. Uh, we're told, I heard a story one time about Hudson Taylor, a great missionary to China. He was on a crowded boat going down the Yangtze River. And he was a, a tremendous man of prayer. If you haven't heard that story about Hudson Taylor, it's a great story. A tremendous man of prayer. Any need that he had, he didn't talk about it. He just prayed about it. And God would supply his needs. And it's amazing. Story after story of how God provided for his needs simply through using the avenue of prayer. But anyways, he was floating down the Yancey River in a crowded boat. And he was a man who was accustomed every morning to finding a quiet place to meet God in prayer. And this troubled him. He's, you know, there were lots of people all over the place. Where was he going to find a secret place to pray? And so he asked the Lord. He said, Father, I want to have this prayer time together with you in the morning. Please help me to find some spot where I can have time together with you. And so the next morning, the Lord woke him up way before everybody else woke up and he had a quiet place to pray. You see, the Lord is so desirous to meet his children in the morning and spend time together with him that he'll do whatever it takes to help you find that secret place of prayer. Great Controversy, page 210. This is a statement that you've probably heard before, but it says this, from the what kind of place? From the what place? secret place of prayer came the power that shook the world in the great reformation you're all familiar with the reformation history at least at least parts of it it was a tremendous time in earth's history where god's people were pulled out of darkness into the marvelous light of his word and she tells us that the power that shook the world during the time of the reformation was not the preaching somebody ought to say amen to that She says the power came from where? The secret place 
of prayer, the one-on-one conversations that the reformers were having with their heavenly father, that was the powerhouse that moved forward the Reformation. Of course, God used the avenue of preaching, but the power came from that secret time in prayer that the reformers spent with their heavenly father. So step number one, Have a place to pray. Most of you have that one covered. At least I hope you do. The second thing I want to suggest to you this morning is found in Psalms chapter 55 and verse 17. Psalms chapter 55 and verse 17. And it's a simple, logical thing that we not only should have a place to pray, but we should have a set time to pray. Amen? We should have a time to pray. The Bible tells us this in Psalms chapter 55 and verse 17, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall what? Hear my voice. Somebody should say amen to that. But when does David say he's praying? Evening, morning, and at Did he have select times of prayer, yes or no? Jesus had select times of prayer. All the great men and women of of great faith, they had times that they set aside where they prayed to their heavenly Father. David did it three times a day. Daniel did it three times a day. Jesus did it multiple times throughout, uh, throughout the day. The Bible tells us that we should have a time that we are meeting with our heavenly Father. Now, of course, Some of you think of the passage where Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians that we should pray without what? We should pray without ceasing. But I'm going to suggest to you this morning that before you can pray without ceasing, you first have to have a time to pray. Now, I'm going to be a little vulnerable with you here this morning. None of us like vulnerability, but I'm going to do it anyways. When I got hired as a minister in Michigan... I was at a very low spot in my spiritual life. I was struggling in my walk with the Lord and just kind of at a low spot. And that had been going on for quite a while. And as I was sitting there in the interview with these godly men that the Lord has given to us as leaders in our conference, they asked me the question. They asked me, Jason, how long do you, how much time do you spend each day in prayer? Now, when you're at a low spot in your spiritual life, are you spending a lot of time in prayer? Usually you're not. <laughs> but here I am. I mean, I'm, I'm a minister after all, and I'm being hired, or hopefully going to be hired to become a pastor here in Michigan. And after all, don't ministers pray a lot, right? You know, and so here I, here I am. I'm sitting in this interview, and I've got this question, and I'm at a low spot in my spiritual journey, and I'm I'm kind of like grasping at straws. How am I going to answer this question to make it kind of sound satisfactory? And so I had this uh, pompous answer. Well, I like to follow Paul's advice of praying without ceasing. When deep down in my heart I knew that I didn't have a time that I was praying with God, therefore that didn't translate into a praying without ceasing throughout the day. Now, I want to tell you, things have gotten better since then. Amen? Praise the Lord. He's so patient with us. 
He's so merciful with us. Even in our low spots in our spiritual journey, he still gives us responsibilities that help buoy us up and bring us to a higher standard. Things have changed since then, and boy, have I found that prayer is a powerful thing. So I'm going to suggest to you that before you can pray without ceasing, you first have to have a time that you are meeting with your heavenly Father each morning. Listen to this from the page edu- from Education, page two hundred and fifty-nine. It says, "It was in hours of solitary prayer that Jesus, in his earth life, received wisdom and power. Let the youth and the old people, and I consider myself one of those old people now. Let the youth." Follow his example in finding at dawn and twilight a quiet season of communion with their Heavenly Father. Listen to this. And throughout the day, let them lift up their hearts to what? So I want you to notice that lifting up your heart to God throughout the day happens when you first have a place or a time in the morning and the evening where you are praying to God, right? So it just automatically translates into a praying throughout the day when you first start your day together with your Heavenly Father. So have a place to pray. This is a spot where I'm going to meet God, or these are spots in my home or in my life where I'm going to meet with God every morning, and then have a time that you're going to meet with Him. This particular time, I'm going to meet with my Heavenly Father. Now listen to me carefully. The devil's going to do everything he can to try to keep you from that date. And he's been successful before, but it doesn't mean he has to be successful in the future, right? He's going to do what he can to try to push it back or pull it up or whatever it may be or even completely remove it. But we need to hold to that commitment. I'm going to meet God at this place at this time, and there I will find strength to meet whatever challenges may come in my life and be able to minister in whatever way God asks me to. Ian Bounds wrote in his book, Power Through Prayer, page 33, he said, no man can do a great and enduring work for God who is not a man or woman of what? Of prayer. And then he goes on and he says this, and no man or woman can be a man of prayer who does not give much time to what? Praying. So in order for us to be men and women of, great, of prayer, we have to be uh, men and women who are what? Praying, who are experiencing this, who are exercising this spiritual muscle and are tapping into the greatest power that this world can give to us or that God can give to us. Men and women of prayer, men, great men and women are men and women of great prayer. I want to be one of those men, I want to be a man of great prayer. Now, some of you might say, well, I have a hard time getting up in the morning, and I can identify with that. I tend to be a little bit more of a night owl, and uh, I heard an amen. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the only one up there. (laughs) I heard another one. If we just stay here for a little while, we might hear a few more amens. But there's something about the morning. There's just something about it where you have, there's just this connection that you have with God in the morning 
that, that when, when the day gets busy, you lose it. It's, it's just not there. Of course, God, you know, you, he's still with you. He's still walking with you throughout the day. But there's something about that morning time together with God that if you don't take advantage of it, you lose out on that very special blessing. And so, of course, there's that promise that we've all read before in Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4, where the Bible says, He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth my ear to hear as to learn. Who's the one that's doing the wakening? Have you ever been woken up by God before? It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Now, when you're woken up by God, do you feel like just springing right out of bed and just, oh, yeah, there we are, a new day today. Yes, here we go. Is that the way you feel? I think nine chances out of ten, we feel like going like this. Pull those blankets back over our head. And you know, God does not come with a snooze button. But he will let you go back to sleep. And I've had that happen to me before where the Lord has woken me up and I feel like, oh, I think I'm going to go back to sleep. And the Lord's like, eh. We need to have a little bit of time together. And it's always a blessing when that happens. And so like Hudson Taylor, we can say, okay, Lord, you said you waken up by morning, morning by morning. You're better than my phone. You're better than my alarm clock. You know, the electricity goes out and the alarm clock lets you down and your cell phone, you know, technology messes up every now and then. But God is faithful and he'll be there every morning to wake you up very gently at just the right point in your sleep cycle where you can get up and be fresh after you get out of bed and spend time together with him. So have a place to pray, have a time to pray. And then number three, let's go back to our scripture reading, Luke chapter 11. Are these practical? I know for me, when I first learned this, I thought, man, this is so practical, I can just apply this right away. Luke chapter 11, verse one, our scripture reading. Again, the Bible tells us this. Our next step, step number three, is learn to pray aloud where only God can hear. The Bible says in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he, what? When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Question, when did the disciples know that Jesus was done praying? Was he praying inside of his head? Christ's object lessons makes it very clear that Jesus was praying out loud. He was talking to his heavenly father. He was praying aloud. And when he stopped talking, that's when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. So did Jesus pray out loud, yes or no? It's very clear. But yet many of us spend time praying inside of our heads. Now, there's a time and a place for that, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing to pray inside of your head, but this is, a, this, is a, this is a point in prayer that I think we really miss out on a great blessing, actually talking out loud to our Heavenly Father. In fact, we're told in the Pen of Inspiration, Gospel Workers, page 425, she says, learn to pray aloud where only God can what? So this is a secret place where only you and God can hear. Somebody says, well, if I'm praying out loud, somebody can hear me. No, you are praying out loud where only God can hear you. And that may require you to whisper very quietly, but you're still forming those words 
as you talk to your heavenly Father. It's very powerful. I remember the first time I started doing this, it really changed my prayer life. You know, there's something about praying inside of your head where all of a sudden, before you know it, your thoughts are way off somewhere else. Right? And you're thinking about the bread that needs to be made or the car that needs to be fixed or the oil that needs to be changed and whatever, and then then you're like, wait wait a second, I was just praying a few moments ago. Right, and then you bring your thoughts back around and you start praying and you're you're talking to God and then before you know, there goes your thoughts again, off off into the day. But when you're actually talking and forming those words, you're thinking about it, and it keeps your mind on track, moving in that direction of having a conversation with God. You know, the other thing I've noticed when it comes to praying out loud is that I tend to repeat myself a lot less. Have you ever done that in your, when you're praying in your mind and you're like, Lord, please help me as I go through my day today. Lord, please help me as I go through my day today. And you, and you find yourself kind of, kind of like a broken record. <laughs> right? But when you're actually talking and you're forming, you realize how silly it sounds to repeat yourself over and over again. Right? And so, again, it, it keeps your mind focused and it keeps you from that repetition in that type of prayer. Now, sometimes you might want to repeat yourself and and maybe it's a real burden on your heart and you want to kind of really massage that thing out in your prayer time and that's fine. But what I'm talking about is that brainless repetition where we just kind of fall into that rut of those cliche statements that we have in our prayer time. Keeps us away from that when we're actually forming those words with our very own lips. Listen to this from Heavenly Places, page 87. It says this, That which is called praying morning and evening according to custom is not always fervent and effectual. It is with many a sleepy and heartless repetition of words and does not reach the ear of the Lord. God does not need or require your ceremonial compliments. Somebody should say amen to that. Now, if we took out our ceremonial compliments out of our prayers, what would we have left? That's a question you should ask yourself. What would my prayer life look like if I took out the ceremonial compliments? That's kind of interesting. But he will respect the broken heart, the confession of sins, the contrition of the soul, the cry of the humble, broken heart. He will not despise. Somebody should say amen to that. Praise the Lord. I don't want to be a person who's repetitious in my prayers. We know there are some who do this. They don't really get too far, do they? There are many religions that adopt this concept of repetitive prayers, and it doesn't really avail much. God does not want that ceremonial repetition of prayer. He wants to talk to us as a friend. So have a place to pray. Have a what? Place to pray. Have a what? Time to pray. And pray what? Out loud. Three things so far. Let's look at the fourth one here. Number four, go with me in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 85 and verse 8. Psalms chapter 85 and verse 8. Step number four, learn to 
listen. I don't care if you're a good listener or not. You need to learn to listen. Right? So the Bible says this. I will hear what the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to folly. Does God want to speak to us, yes or no? I will hear what the Lord will speak to me. God wants to talk to his children. We need to learn how to listen. David tells us that God wants to talk to us. Of course, we're told in the pen of inspiration, we read this once before, Steps to Christ, page 94, that prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Let me ask you a question. If you have a friend who's doing all of the talking all the time, how good of a friendship is that? Do you get home from work and say, man, I can't wait to hang out with that person? Right? Do you, do you, do you, when, when it comes to the weekend and you have a day off and you think, man, I can't wait to hang out with my friend who does all of the talking, right? Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. And if that's the case, in order for a friendship to be healthy and to grow, there is a giving and a taking. There is a talking and a listening. It is like a tennis match where you are you know, bouncing the ball back and forth. There's a giving and taking. But for many of us, our prayer life is a constant source of talking and not as much listening. I remember I was doing a series of meetings one time, and there was a man who was coming. I almost said his name, but I don't think I'll do that. There was a man that was coming to the meetings, and, and I was told that he had lots of questions. And, of course, you know, we want to try to help people find the answers to their questions. And so uh, after the meetings one night, I got together with him, and we started talking. And as we started the conversation, I realized very quickly that he didn't want to hear the answers. He just wanted to talk. And he would ask a question, and then he would keep talking. And he would, and, and, and before, I, I would try to, yeah, okay, uh, 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 and I would try to get, uh, you, hang on a second, you've got five questions here now. We've got to go back to the first one, and let's answer this question. And, and then I would get partway through the answer to the question, and boom, he was off again, talking again. And whenever I would even uh, have a moment just to, to try to start asking and answering a question, I could see it in his eyes. He, he would check out until he had a chance to open his mouth and start talking again. Right? Now, I hope I haven't just described your prayer life. Because if I have, you're really missing out on something so valuable in prayer time. It's a communion with God. We need to learn to develop the ear to hear God speaking to us during our prayer time. <laughs> um, I was going through some things on my computer, and I stumbled across something just recently. I like to keep a little, every now and then I learn little life lessons, and I like to kind of type them down and keep them in there to reflect on later on. And I ran across something just recently when Christian was two years old, just a little guy, um, he, one night he was calling for me, maybe it was the morning or something like that, but he was in bed and he was calling for me. And I said, yes, Christian. And he said, Papa. I said, yes, Christian. He said, Papa. I said, 
yes, Christian. And this just kept going on. I'm like, is he ever going to acknowledge that I have answered him? And as I thought about it as an adult, you know, sometimes that's how it is for us. Where we call out to God, Father, he says yes. And he wants to talk to us. He wants to answer our requests. He wants to engage in a conversation with us. But we keep saying, Papa, Papa, Papa. And we just kind of keep talking to him and we don't give him a chance to respond. Learn to listen. Scripture tells us in Psalms 143, verse 8, it says, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. What does God want to give to us in the morning? Loving kindness. David says, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto thee. Great passage there where God wants to show us the way we should go. And every morning God wants to do that. As I was reflecting upon this, I thought about the story of Samuel. Remember Samuel when he was a little boy? And uh, you maybe read it in My Bible Friends, right, where he uh, is laying down and he hears a voice, Samuel. He runs over to priest Eli. Here I am for you called me. Maybe it's been a while since you've read that story. (laughs) Oh, I didn't call you. Go lie down. He goes and lays down. Samuel. Runs over. Here I am for you called me. No, I didn't call you. You go lay down. Goes lay down. Samuel comes back. You did call me. Here I am. Lay down, my son. And if it calls again, say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So he goes and he lays down, and he hears that voice. Samuel, speak, for thy servant heareth. He said five words, and then God responded with 103 words. How many of you would like to have that type of prayer life? Right? Where you do a little bit of talking, and God does a lot of talking. Right. Prayer is not to inform God of anything. You know, sometimes I think our, we think that our prayer life, that's what it is. It's, we've got to tell God all of these things that are going on so that he knows what's happening and can act accordingly. Now, he likes to hear that kind of stuff, but he's already got it under control. Speak, for thy servant heareth. 105 words he gives to Samuel after that, and what a prayer time that little boy had. So in closing, let me share with you a statement of advice, and then we'll review what we have learned and have a closing word of prayer. Testimonies, volume 5, page 512. How do you hear the voice of God? Here's what we are told. It says this, there are three ways. How many ways? There are three ways in which the Lord reveals to us Uh, reveals his will to us to guide us and to fit us to guide others. How may we know his what? Voice from that of a stranger. Is that a good question, yes or no? Very practical. How can I know the voice of God from the voice of a stranger? She says this. How should we distinguish it from the voice of a false shepherd? God reveals to us God reveals his will to us in his what? Word, the Holy Scriptures. That's number one. Number two, his voice is also revealed in his what? Providential workings. That's those events where you think, 
this is not an accident. God is working in my life right now. Those are those providential workings. We've all had those experiences before where we, are, where we kind of are stopped in our tracks and we think, oh, that was the Lord because there's no way I could have done something like that, right? So, so number one, through his word, the scriptures. Number two, through his providential workings. And another way in which God's voice is heard is through the appeals of his what? Holy Spirit, making impressions upon the heart which will be wrought out in the character. You know that still small voice that says, ah, you might not, not, might not want to do that. Right? That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. How do we hear the voice of God? Three ways that we hear the voice of God. Through his word, through providential leadings, and through the voice of the what? Three ways. Morning by morning, God wants to speak to you. Now, we could talk more about this concept of using your Bible during your prayer time, and maybe we'll do that another time. We won't do that right now. But God speaks to us through his word. So don't be afraid to have your Bible there with you while you are praying. Don't be afraid to read the scriptures in the middle of your prayer time, claiming those promises and saying, Lord, speak to me from your word, because that's how God talks to his children, one of the ways in which he talks to his children. So we've learned four things this morning where, uh, that, 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 that we can apply in our lives right away in our prayer life. Number one, have a what? Secret place to pray. Number two, have a what? Time to pray. Number three, what? Pray out loud. And number four, learn to listen. These are very practical. If you don't have it, write it down. Take a picture of it on the screen, whatever it is, so that you can remember it. Take it back and apply it in your prayer life tomorrow. If you're already doing this, Great, keep doing it. If you're not, pick up where you can and take it and apply it in your life. And I believe that you will find your prayer life will be greatly improved as a result of that. Now, next time we get together, I'm going to share with you four more things that might be a little bit more obscure to some of us. But we will wait until the next time for that. This morning, this afternoon... How many of you would like to say, Lord, teach me to pray? Amen? Lord, teach me to pray. Give me a deeper prayer life. Give me a hunger in the morning to connect with you, the source of strength. Amen? Let's pray for that right now. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that you have given to us to meet you morning by morning, to meet you in the afternoon, to meet you in the evening, and to sit at your feet and say, speak, for thy servant heareth. Father, please continue to teach us how to have a prayer life like Jesus, like Daniel, like David, like Moses. Father, we want to be men and women of great power and strength spiritually. We know that that doesn't happen by accident. But it happens as men and women are thick with their heavenly Father. Father, bless us to this end, I pray. And may tomorrow morning be a sacred time as we meet and talk with you. Thank you, Lord, 
For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.